We're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. And those of you who have been coming from this month will realize that there is kind of a sermon series going on that Pastor Edwin has been doing. And uh, it's focused on this 1 Peter 2 scripture. And so he asked me to continue in that, all right? So let us read and see what it says. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Now, in some of the other scriptures, and more closely to the um, original language, it says not necessarily that we are God's very own possession, but rather that we are God's special treasure. And that's what our focus is on today, the special treasure. As we continue, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I spent a long time writing sermon this week, and sometimes when I'll write a sermon, I can get really theological and real historical. So I kind of was there for a while. I could pull that one out, but I thought, nah, let's get where the rubber hits the road. So we'll see where we go here. I want to share with you about something a long time ago. Maybe you remember hearing there was a TV show. It was the Montel Williams show. Anybody remember Montel? Sometimes he's on the infomercials now. And if you watched his show, it was kind of like a cross between Oprah Winfrey and Maury Povich. Because he could be kind of serious, like Oprah could be sometimes, was kind of outlandish, like Mari Povich. But this one particular show that I was watching really stuck with me over the years. Because he was talking with numerous people, and each one of the persons had been either adopted out when they were babies and very young, or they were brought up in foster care. And each one of them really longed to find their parents, especially their mom. And they had this intense need to know, who is my mother? Where is she? Why did she leave me like she did? And each person that he was talking with, they really wanted to know that their mother loved them, even though circumstances had kept them apart. And as they talked about it, they could imagine all kinds of reasons that circumstances got involved. And not knowing was really robbing them of peace of mind and a sense of true worth. Now, I'm sure the same could be said of people who are wondering about their fathers who are missing in their lives. Because the dynamics are the same, whether it's the mother or the father. There's a sense of where are they? What's going on? And as I listened to them and I could hear their pain, I began to realize, you know, those same dynamics are also 
involved in terms of our spiritual father. Our spiritual father. We have a need to find out who our spiritual father is. Who our God is. Just knowing that God exists, just like these folks knew that they had parents, that's not enough. We have a spiritual need to know. And it's within us. And to really find that true inner peace, we have to go beyond simply a knowledge of God's existence to a knowing God. And that's different. So in our scripture reading today, when Peter tells us that as Christians we are in Christ, that we are a chosen people, that we are a holy people, a precious treasure, he is saying that we can be assured that we are God's children, that God is with us, that God has never left us. The difference is that once we lived in darkness, not sure of God's love and care, but now that we are in Christ, everybody say it, in Christ. Now that we are in Christ, we live knowing who we are as God's precious children. Now, many of us, when we were little children growing up, we probably learned the story of Adam and Eve and the garden. Do you remember that story? Adam and Eve in the garden, there was that sneaky snake, and he went around and he tempted Adam and Eve to eat some forbidden fruit. People have spent a lot of time talking about that fruit. I mean, are we talking apples? Tomatoes, pomegranate, what is that? What could be so good that someone would disobey God to eat it? And as we go down that little rabbit's trail, the core of the story is often overlooked. Because it's not simply about obedience to God. There's a lot more that's much more important in there. Because you see that sneaky snake, the devil, What he really does is he places doubt and skepticism in their hearts. He suggests to them that God's not really looking out for their good. He's saying that God was, in fact, holding out on them. He's saying that uh, God is keeping them away from obtaining something good. So God doesn't really love them. He's not seeking their good. God can't be trusted. He is undependable, and that's the great lie. And you know, ever since that time, for generation after generation, there are people who have doubted God, doubted God's love, and doubted God's goodness to us. And that has left people in darkness, not knowing the truth, and wondering if we are simply like Montel's guests, Orphaned, abandoned, and uncared about. But Jesus came, and he showed us God's great love for us. And that's the truth about our heavenly parent. Not the lie of that sneaky snake. That's hard to say, sneaky snake. But God loves us as his own. He truly does, and he's a good, good father. Not one who abandons his children or deserts them, but one who steadfastly loves us 
and goes to great length to seek us out. Now, in Psalms, David writes a psalm. It's Psalm 68. And in it, he says that God is the God of the fatherless. Think about that. God is the God of the fatherless. That means God is the father of the fatherless. Wow. That means God is our father for all of us. It also says that God sets the solitary in families. That means God sets those who are alone, living by themselves, outlived everybody else, doesn't have any family for whatever reason, and he sets them in a family. I'll do like Pastor Edwin does. Look to your left. Look to your right. You are in a family here. This is a family. This is the family of God. We do not walk alone. God is with us, and our family is with us. The family God has provided. Now, I know that sometimes it is difficult for people who have felt abandoned by an earthly parent to really accept and receive this image of God as a good, good father. I understand that. But Jesus came to show us the truth, to stand against the lie that started way back in the garden. Because we are in Christ. We are in the family of God. We are the children of God. And God is our Father. Now, when Jesus came in the flesh, he came saying, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. So we know what a good Father we have. Jesus came to heal, to deliver, to set free, to bless. He never came to do harm or wrong by anybody. He was a great provider. And Jesus came as God in the flesh. We call that God incarnate, God in the flesh. And he came to seek us out and share with us this love. Now, I want to share with you that a lot of times in popular theological culture in the South, we hear about this Jesus. And sometimes people explain Jesus like this. Now I'm going to tell you this is not correct, so don't worry. I'm not saying he's like this. I'm saying somebody out there sometimes says this, okay? They'll say, well, God was really mad at everybody, so we beat up on Jesus, so we'd be all right. That's essentially what they say. Well, Jesus is God come in the flesh. What that translates into is that when Jesus was on the cross, that's God on the cross. And that's God saying, I will take all the junk you throw at me. I will take the cursing, I will take the swearing, I will take the rejection and still be on this cross and tell you I love you. I've come to say I love you through that. There's nothing you can do but that I love you and I came seeking you and I want you. 
That is the power of the cross. That is the message of the cross. Very powerful. Now, Jesus himself, he said that he came to seek and save that which is lost, which is his precious treasure, his children. Think about some of the parables Jesus told. Do you remember that one where he says he talks about a shepherd and the shepherd has a flock of sheep and he leaves the whole flock to search and go after the one that's wandering off into harm's way. And when he finds it, oh, he just rejoices. He's not mad at the sheep. He's not going to beat that sheep for wandering off. He lovingly picks it up carries it back to the flock and cares for it. That is our heavenly father. Jesus tells another parable about a woman and somehow she has lost a valuable coin. And so she searches and looks for it. She sweeps that house. She cleans up for everywhere because she's got to find that precious treasure. And when she finds it, she rejoices over it. And so the Lord is like that caring shepherd and that persistent woman. Now, <clears throat> from what you all know, I've been, I'm a member of Savannah Presbytery, and that's because I have a home here in Marietta, but I spend many a weekend driving down to South Georgia to serve churches down there. And I'll drive back, and I'll drive again, and I'll drive back. I don't need any radar to watch out for the police because I know where everyone is sitting. <laughs> not a problem, not an issue. <laughs> sometimes when I'm driving down the road, not every time, but sometimes I will see people who are stuck on the side of the road and I hear the voice of the Lord say, stop and help them out. Now, actually, I don't think I've ever confessed this to the Lord, but every time he does that, I, I kind of feel like laughing because I'm like, I'm five foot two, blonde haired woman. What do I know about helping people with broken cars? <laughs> but I always go, yes, Lord. Okay, well, here I was driving down Interstate 16 headed to Savannah. And if you've been down Interstate 16, you know at exit 116 is the exit for Statesboro where Georgia Southern University is located. Now, for a couple of years, I served the First Presbyterian Church there at that campus, and I learned from that how to spot students from the school. They just stand out like a sore thumb. So here I am. I'm driving down Interstate 16. I look to the side of the road, and I see this car there. It's got a flat tire, and I see three students getting out of their car, and I hear that voice. You should help them. I could tell their students. All right, that means driving down the exit, getting, kind of coming all the way back, driving back all the way around. I say, Lord, if, I, if, it's, it's this, if I'm hearing you right, let them be there when I get there. And sure enough, they were. So I stopped to see what's the problem. <clears throat> and they do have this flat tire. And the main problem is that, what do they call those things? Uh, tire iron. They don't have a tire that actually fits those bolts. That's a problem. Okay. So to make a long story short, 
It ended up that I gave two of them a ride back to campus. That's about 10 or 15 miles in one direction. Got them back where they could get some help to come later and see about their car. And of course, as students, they didn't have two nickels to rub, you know, between them. You just know that's automatic. That's why they needed help. And the third young man I took to his home, which was in Savannah, and I was headed in that direction, but I wanted really, I-95 comes about five miles before you get to Savannah. I hadn't really planned to go the whole way. No, no real big problem. I got a car that works, and I had gas, so we're good. All right. Now, that meant <laughs> that I had plenty of time to talk to this young man, because it's about an hour's drive. And as I talked to him, and he was telling me about stuff he does, he was really a high school student. And he seemed to, like, wander around from what he said from town to town where he had different friends and somehow they just to go home when he was supposed to. And so I asked him, I said, um, well, um, tell me about your parents. Well, he lived with his mother and his stepfather. And I got the impression that he felt he was really in their way. Ouch. Ouch. Big ouch. Well, what about your father? Well, my father lives in Texas. He don't care nothing about me, and I don't care nothing about him. He'd never done a thing for me, and he doesn't even care that I exist. I could hear the bitterness in his voice and the sorrow in his heart. That's a big ouch. That's a big ouch. And I was kind of like, okay, God. Do I go there or not? Do I speak with boldness or not? I'm truly not a very bold speaker. I'm really not. But I decided I would tell him the truth. So I said to him, I don't care what anybody has ever told you. I don't care if they said you were an accident or a mistake and that you're in the way or whatever. Because you do have a father, and he's your heavenly father. God is your father, and he cares about you, and he loves you dearly. And you are here because he wanted you to be born. And you have never, ever, ever been an accident in his eyes. He created you to be the person you are, and you are a treasure in his eyes. Did we not just read that kind of in Psalms 139? How God saw each and every one of us when we were yet in the womb being formed. Do you need to hear this too, maybe? There's no accidents in God's eyes. There's no mistakes being born in God's eyes. He's a good, good father. And I went on and I told this young man, I said, God will help you and he will be there for you and you can trust him regardless of your circumstances. That's a hard one. It's hard because we have a tendency to look around at our circumstances. Well, I don't know if God loves me. He didn't let me have that forbidden fruit. Didn't let me do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it the way I wanted to do it. Or I got sick. Maybe God doesn't love me. That's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. God does love you. Circumstances, bad or good, do not determine whether or not God loves you. God loves you. It's a given. He created you. 
because you are the apple of his eye and he cares about you. And we all go through circumstances. We live in a world that is sin fallen. We live in a world where things do go wrong. But God will be with us. He will see us through. He will help us when we need help. And he is working for our good and not for evil. That's what the snake said in the back in the garden. He's trying to hold out on you. He doesn't really care about you. Yes, he does. And that's what Christ came to tell us. And that's what we learn when we are in Christ. When we are in Christ. The Bible says, and I told this young man this, that God's thoughts towards us are more than the grains of sand on the beach. Y'all ever been to the beach? How long did it take you to get the sand out of your shoe? That's just your shoe. Yeah. God's our Father. He loves us, He approves us, and He's given us wonderful gifts to use for His glory. Now, from the response of this young man, I don't think he had ever heard this before. He didn't know before. He was living in darkness. But I could see the light beginning to dawn on him that day. I could see a change coming over him. I want to tell you, he was like a thirsty person drinking from the grace of God. He was like a starving man eating a full banquet. It was the beginning of some inner healing that this young man needed. Now, I left him at the home. I wasn't able to follow up with him. But I trust God to follow up. That was a starting place. And I knew it. And I think he knew it too. And when we got out to his home and we got out of the car, it was really funny because he let me pray for him. And in that prayer, I got to bless him. He needed blessing. We all need blessing. And he just had to have a hug. And I thought that was so funny because, you know, we're not in church. But he needed that hug. He wanted that hug. He got that hug. Now, keep in mind, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, how did it start out? Our Father, didn't it? But when you read Our Father in the Bible, that's kind of like a title. It's kind of formal, isn't it? The more literal says, my daddy. Now, how many people here are from the South? All right, some of you folks from the South, you know that grown men and women will call their father daddy. Well, daddy said, we better not get that car yet. Well, daddy said, we better help him come over here and cut the grass. It's not my dad said or my pa said, it's daddy. It's funny sometimes to listen to somebody 45 years old. Well, daddy said, I don't think they do that up north. I think that's southern knees, right? But when you say daddy, that's a warm relationship. Not a distant one. Not a formal title. That's a warm, warm one. And Jesus says... Pray to your daddy. Pray to your daddy. 
One of the reasons the Pharisees and Sadducees got so mad with Jesus is because he said Jesus is daddy. The words Abba, Abba father, daddy father. Truly, Jesus calls us to claim our daddy, heavenly father. Now, I know it's not always easy if we've had bad situations in the past. I'm not denying that. I know there's image problems like that because truly we have a tendency to relate our Heavenly Father to who our parent father was. But Jesus is showing us the true parent father. So I hope that you will tune into that, that as you think about that, and think about whatever your history is about mother or father or image of God. You will be able to embrace the loving father we have who is our God. Let us pray. Dearest Lord, Abba Daddy, help us to be people to know you to really, really know you. Don't let us settle for superficial relationships with you. Don't let us be content with a shallow or artificial faith. Enable us to love you and share your love with others. To love even those who seem very different from us or who appear broken and lost. May we live in Christ be a friend to the friendless and a neighbor to the foreigner. We thank you for this, your word. We thank you for how you have taught us to pray. And we join together to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power for glory forever. Amen.